Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, welcome back to another episode of Talking Ball with Pat Leonard. I am the Giants beat writer and NFL columnist for the New York Daily News. I have a special guest today. First, need to talk, tell you about Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. And remember to subscribe to this podcast, rate, review, wherever you get your podcast, Apple, Spotify, and on my YouTube page, of course, at PL on NFL. Hit the subscribe button right there because you cannot get this anywhere else. We are bringing you Justin Pugh, 10-year NFL veteran, former New York Giant, standout offensive guard, Council Rock South, representing the Philadelphia area, where I hail from as well, Syracuse University, former first-round pick, and it seems like entrepreneur extraordinaire. Justin, thank you so much for joining me, man. I know you're busy. What an intro. I mean, that's as good as I can get. I need you. I need you to come to come to the office. I'm just an intern now when I'm not training for football to give me that intro as I walk in. Yeah. What are you interning in right now? So I'm working for a real estate developer out here in Phoenix um, throughout COVID, you know, didn't know what was going to go on with football. And I was in, you know, in a position where in my career where I wasn't sure where things were going to go. And Ended up selling a piece of real estate, did something called a 1031 exchange, not to get too into the weeds, and hmm. did that with the company I'm working for now. And then they said, hey, do you want to come see how the sausage is made? So started coming into the office two years ago. So I go and train in the mornings, and then I come over here in the afternoons and, and kind of learn what I'm going to do post-football. Interesting. Wow, yeah, staying busy. And before we get into football, too, I, I have to ask you, because first of all, the Giants play in Arizona early this season. We so too. a bunch of, bunch of us are bringing the sticks. You know, we need some rec- recommendations on where to play. But I see you – I saw a, a video of you swinging and playing around on Instagram recently. A lot of the football players, obviously incredible athletes, they pick up the game. And no offense, I'm not a great golfer either, but it just doesn't look like their game. JP, you look like you can play. Like, you look like a golfer. Am I wrong so- about this? So I joined, I joined Essex County Country Club. Shout out to my guys in the 201 when I was with Giants and started playing there. Wasn't very, wasn't very good. We're still learning. Really, I really got introduced to the game at the first Giants golf outing with, with uh, Mr. Mara puts on every year out at where is it? It's it's somewhere out in Westchester. I haven't gotten the invite. I think, yet. I think it is Westchester. Yeah, you're you're, you're lost in the mail. This is the year. This is the year you're getting invited. <laughs> um, so I ended up golfing with some season ticket holders and really caught the bug. And then you move to Arizona and you can play all year round. Mm. And I've been grinding. You know that that was the first thing I got cleared to to start golfing again from the ACL, and I was I was super pumped. So the handicap's getting down there. I'm like a ten right now. I'll be I'll be sub I'll be single digits here shortly. The, the goal is to get good enough to get into that Tahoe event. So if if the Tahoe folks are out there listening, get an invite ready for your boy. Oh yeah, well you would be a great personality too, where they're interviewing people walking down the fairway. I mean, you'd be birdieing holes and you know doing like the Steph Curry stuff, running around. I mean, that would be fun. That'd Not, be fun. To yeah, watch. exactly. But as an offensive lineman, you got to be really really good at golf to get the invite. I don't have the. 
I don't have like an Eli Manning or Odell Beckham name where I can just, you know, put my name out there and I'll get in. I got to have the game to back it up. So I'm working on that part right now. We'll get the invite by next year and we'll be rolling. Sounds good. You mentioned coming off the ACL um, and that you're doing a lot of work on the football side as well as uh, the post football side, but it sounds like you're doing well. Sounds like you're healthy. Am I correct in assuming that you're looking as a free agent as some possible options here? Are you feeling good? You know, where does all that stand with the season coming around the corner here? Yeah. I mean, kind of to put it all into perspective, just finished my 10th season with the Cardinals. I had an ACL tear in week six, and this is the first real injury of my football career. Now I've had injuries and the Giants fans, they always like Justin Pugh never could stay healthy. I mean, I've started 120 games in the NFL. So like on average, I play 12 a year. So if you take out my last year in New York and my last year in Phoenix, those are both, you know, the biggest injuries I've had. And one was a back injury and this is ACL. It's, uh, it wasn't even like I was cutting. Someone fell on my knee and then the next play, the ACL gave out. So it wasn't even like a turf issue. It literally was a freak accident. And that's something that I haven't had to have a 12 month recovery on any injury in my career. Things have been MCL sprains, things of that nature. Um, so it's been tough mentally a, a year long of just training and then going into free agency where I thought I was probably done playing football, but then that starts creeping into the back of your head. I guarantee every guy you've asked, you know, you look at everyone at the end of the seasons and they're like, I'm going to do one more. And that's what happens. You get to August and I'm like, do I really want my last play to be me walking off the football field hurt? No, I can't go out that way. And that's where I started getting back into training. You know, I never, uh, never, never took my eye off the ball that I want to come back and play another season. Now I'm going to be particular with who I play with. I want to make sure it's a team that's going to be in contention, has the same goals to win a championship that I do. Because, because you know as well as I do, every team says they're, in, you know, what their goals are is to win a championship. But a lot of teams are building differently, and they're part of a rebuild. So it's, it's, sure. it's narrowed down to a few teams, and, and we'll see how it shakes out during training camp. I'm almost like a relief pitcher at this point. Call me in to come make the playoff run. Call me in later in the game to get ready to go. So that's kind of where we're at now. Have conversations happened or started or preliminary talks kind of laid groundwork on some of those teams that you're talking about? Or is that more you kind of setting the table for, say, come September, come October, that, that outreach will happen? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm clear to really get back into it and start training football. There's two kind of ideas that I have in my head. Um, yes, there has been conversations with teams. I've actually spoken with like six teams at this point. It seems like after the preseason games happen, um, a few more teams reach out. So we'll see how the next few weeks go and really mm. looking to sign with one of those teams that's in the top echelon that really playoff contention last year, has a chance to make the step this next year. And I can really come in and, and add value to that team. Not really looking for a rebuild where I have to come in and mentor a rookie quarterback. You know, looking for that team that's missing a few pieces, needs some depth on the O-line. Mm-hmm. And a guy that can, you know, I know wherever I go, I'm going to end up starting. It's just, if you look at it, offensive linemen don't grow on trees. And quality mm-hmm. ones are, are very hard to come by. So without, like, saying any team, because I don't want to, you know, everything is still very new. Teams want to have me come out, look at the knee, um, and make sure that all works out. So really it's a, it's a unique position to be in. And I could see myself playing a few more years if this is kind of the strategy. Wait until August camp, see who needs some help. Adama consumed it last year, so I can just kind of hop on that train. It's like yeah. find the right fit and go play some good football. You can play guard and tackle. Uh, you played mostly guard in Arizona, though. 
would you be open to either one, depending on what this team in contention needs, or is guard really kind of your bread and butter and where you think you could help somebody the most? Yeah, I mean, I think in particular left guard is where my position of, of value would be. Like I'm one of the best left guards in football. I mean, I'm not like the biggest mauler run blocking left guard, but our league throws the ball predominantly, and I'm one of the best pass protectors. And I'll put my pass protection against any guard in the NFL. And I, I get it. Teams need to have the young guys go out there and see what they can do. And, and they brought in these free agents, and that's fine. I mean, throughout the course of my career, they I've they've brought in rookies. They brought in people to try to re- replace me. And I've always been on the field. I've, every time I put the pads on, I start in the NFL. And yeah. that's something I'm very confident that I'll be, I'll be able to go and contribute right away to a team. And then the, the veteran presence. I mean, that's something that I've gotten better and better learning how to be a pro. And, you know, throughout my time in New York, you know, I was still young learning the game and I feel like I have a pretty good handle on, on where I'm at now. So that's kind of the the process that, I, that I'm going through right now. The knee is the knee is getting final clearance. I start, you know, training all my offensive line stuff and pushing that at, at this gym I'm at right now called O-Line Performance, which is okay. started by LaCharles Bentley. So yep. I'm going to be with offensive line and I've been training now the last few years. So I'm going to be very confident that I'll be able to step in with the team and, and provide that value right away. All right. So I know you don't want to give away specific names of teams, but I have to ask you, you know, I'm here in New York, New Jersey, you know, you played five years, you got drafted first round by the giants. Not only were the giants in the playoffs last year and looking to make the next step, but then you have the jets. Now, even though they didn't make the playoffs, now they have Aaron Rodgers. They got some offensive line issues. They might be super bowl contenders. So I have to put it to you. Are the New York teams an option? Are those teams that you're looking at or would consider in your free agency decision? hundred percent. I mean, the giants are, are one of those teams that I'm definitely eyeing. There's no denying that I've mentioned it on Twitter before. It's, it's where I started my career. I would love to finish it there, but they also have, you know, things in their, in their organization that they had to get figured out. They had a lot of contracts this off season that they had to get squared away. They had some younger offensive linemen that they brought in who were really good players and they wanted to see them go out there and then, see what they can do. So we still have a ways to go and how that shakes out. Um, but I do love my New York Giants. I'm still, you know, a big supporter. I watch from afar. got a chance to say Quan was out training where I was training this offseason. Got a chance to, to meet him. Oh, cool. he's, a, he's a great guy um, from the brief time that we spent together. And then on the other hand, you have the Jets. And I ran that offense when we were in New York. Ben McAdoo ran the, the Green Bay style offense. Aha. Nate Hackett was my offensive coordinator when I was at Syracuse. So I have a really close relationship with, with Nate Hackett. Um, but they have a left guard. I mean, they have uh, Lakin Tomlinson, who's a, who's a great player. Right, right. I, I prefer, and, and kind of to go back on your last question, I would prefer to play left guard. Now, if I get into an organization, this is what I've done my whole career, almost to a detriment. That was part of the reason why I ended up getting hurt in New York is I would go from left guard one week to left tackle. Then we're going on Sunday night to play the, the Broncos and I got to go to right tackle and end up messing my back up. Cause when you switch sides and people don't, I maybe understand the intricacies of playing offensive line, everything just flips in your body. And it's like, it's like going to the bathroom and having to wipe with the other hand, you get the job done, but it's not as clean. And, and sometimes things can go wrong. And that's what, what happened. I ended up tweaking my back in New York talking with the coaches and GM at the time. It was like, all right, let's shut this down. We're two in. I think that was our first win of the season. We played the Broncos on Sunday night football and won. Right. And Orleans Darkwa. Exactly. And we end up, you know, they're like, Hey, we're going to shut you down. We're going to get this contract figured out. 
And then a new regime comes in and like Dave Gettleman didn't promise me a thing. So I had all these, you know, I, oh my God, me, Jerry Reese, back, Ben McAdoo, we'll get this figured out. All of a sudden they're all gone. New regime right. comes in and you got to give Gettleman his credit. He stuck with what he wanted to do. He brought in his guys. And so that's why for me personally, I really would want to stick to my gun and say, Hey, I'm a left guard. I'm one of the best left guards. Why bring me in to put me in a position where I'm not as good. Now I'm yeah. a team player. I've always been a team player. I'll play wherever I need to play. But to start, I would prefer to start out on the left side. Yeah, no, I hear you. The bread and butter. I have to ask you, after spending, you know, five years in New York, five years Arizona, and now saying, you know, you've always had your eye kind of on the Giants and a possible reunion. Do you miss the New York media? Like, do you miss us? Or, you know, what was the difference between, let's say, the Arizona media and the New York media? Like, you know, is is there a lot more attention here than there was out in the desert? Or, uh, you know, does it infiltrate the locker room more in New York? Or do you like that, you know, as a player? I just think the pressure player. of playing in New York is is on another level. You're in the capital of the world. You're playing for the New York Giants, which is like the gold standard of the NFL. The NFC East, the, the, the what I've learned through being out on the West Coast for a while, everything revolves around East Coast time. And when the NFC and AFC East teams are doing well, the NFL seems to be thriving. Um, you look at like the commanders, the Cowboys, the the Giants and the Eagles. I mean, when that when those rivalries are going, they tend to be on prime time. They have some of the biggest fan bases. Majority of our country lives in that little bubble. You got to realize I'm from Philadelphia as well. So I, I grew up in that bubble. <laughs> but um, the media is more intense there. The scrutiny from the fans are more intense there. Um, but I I say all that and. I would be remiss to say how much I've enjoyed my time in Arizona. My wife and I are going to live here full time. The quality of life is amazing. Mm-hmm. Being able to get in the car and drive to the golf course in five to 10 minutes is something <laughs> that's unbelievable. The weather, you're getting the full 12 months out of the year. It does get hot, but you're still outside in the mornings and afternoons. Um, so both have their pros and cons, but there's just something about New York that to me is irreplaceable. We're going to have, I, I always tell my wife, because we met in New York that, um, we got, we're going to get a place there at some point, you know, now I'm in, in real estate. It's the, it's the, it's the financial capital of the world. I'm going to have to be back in New York in some capacity. So no matter what happens, I'll always love New York. You know, things didn't go the way I would have hoped throughout my career there, but uh, it's always going to be home to me. Well, you're also, I'll never forget this. You are a permanent fabric of the community here, not just as a standout player for the giants and, you know, a leader in the locker room always spoke up, but, I'll never forget when you played detective in Jersey city and you had that guy stealing stuff off of your doorstep on camera. I remember, I think it was like $3,000 worth of merchandise. And then you and your neighbor bill ended up catching this guy. (laughs) I was wondering, you know, did that follow you out to Arizona? Like your, you know, your law enforcement skills, like have you been helping people out or is that just like a fun one-time thing? The law enforcement skills, Luckily, haven't been needed out here in Arizona, um, but I still keep in touch with my guy, Bill. He's he's still doing strong. It was just his birthday the other day. So we, we keep in contact. Oh, great. Um, he's he's doing well. He's he's hoping I come back to one of the New York teams. He always calls me and tells me um, <laughs> and you helped funny. him out, too. Right. You helped him out. Kind of yeah, we were able to help him out. But he actually now he's he's self-sufficient. He had worked out. He was in the truckers union. He drove he drove produce and trucks for 40 years. He ended up finding that he had a pension that he never knew about. So now he's, 
it, it changed his life. So I, I'm not helping out anymore. Just kind of more morale, keeping up with him. But, um, you know, just like anyone that's 75, he's got some health issues trying to figure things out. So he's like, the one thing I want is for you to win a Super Bowl before before you're done playing. So I got one last promise to fulfill to him. All right, Bill. Yeah, hope you're listening. And uh, I'm, that's exciting and a great update. Um, all right. So flipping back to football, you know, you, of course, as a standout offensive guard, and like you said, outside of a couple years, you've essentially played every game, uh, been a durable player, and you faced some of the best defensive players, pass rushers, defensive linemen in the game week in and week out. So I wanted to just put it to you. They could be names that everybody would say. Otherwise, they could be some sleepers. But I wanted to ask you as an interior offensive lineman, when you're facing these defensive tackles, if, do you have a top five? Who are the top five defensive tackles you faced in your NFL career? And I, it could be fastest, toughest to handle in the run game, or just down to down somebody who gives you fits. Yeah, so I get this question a lot, and and there's there's one name that kind of stands above the rest, and then we'll kind of get into like the next tier of guy, um, which is it's crazy to say. But you know, I started <laughs> out a tackle, so you have all those guys everyone knows about. Everyone knows about your left tackles and your edge rushers. But once I moved into guard, I was like, oh, how how good can these guys be? I just thought, you know, I had this tackle mentality of like no one can be as tough to block as a Von Miller or a you know, TJ Watt or insert whatever premier pass rusher. But then I got inside and started going against Aaron Donald. And I played against him in college, played against him a few times in New York. And then I signed with the Cardinals and I had to play against him twice a year. Mm. He And, and I, I don't like Aaron Donald. Me and him have really had never had a conversation. I played against him probably in my 10 years. I probably played against him, you know, 12 to 15 times. Mm. He walks off the field every time, never shakes your hand after the game. So like I'm not like a fan of him as like a person. I don't and I don't know him as a person at all, but you can't help it. You have to respect that guy. He is by far the best defensive tackle probably to ever play the game. He'll go down with LT as like a changing the position. I mean, Zach Martin's contract just came out today. There's a reason why guards are now getting close to $20 million a year yeah. because you've got to block guys like Aaron Donald. Um, so Aaron Donald is, is on his own, his own stratosphere because he can rush the passer. Um he can, he can really do it all. He just creates – he wins games on Mondays. When you start watching film of who you have to play next week and it's the Rams, that's yeah. when he starts getting into guys' heads. And, uh, you know, me and him have had some battles. He's definitely got me a few times, but I also think I've, I've won a few of those as well. So it's just a matter, a matter of keep going out there and battling that guy. You just got to be like a gnat. Like just you – might, you might get got one play, but you keep coming back play after play. And uh, that's, that's probably the best guy in the league. Now, I'll, I'll kind of mix it around. I think – best defensive lines in the league. And it's not necessarily like a guy. It's a philosophy is Philadelphia and the 49ers. Those two teams just bring it every single play. And, and the 49ers don't have like one guy, Eric Armstead's unbelievable. He, he's a great player. And Philly obviously has Fletcher Cox and they, the, the teams that hockey line shift their D linemen give you fits. So mm -hmm. if I was building a team and I've said this multiple times and probably catch a little flack, I wouldn't pay a quarterback. My primary position to pay would be D linemen. And I would pay eight starting defensive linemen. Like I even tell the quarterbacks that I play with, like, Hey, once you get really good, like, let's just use, you know, Patrick Mahomes, for example, he's probably a bad example because they just won the Super Bowl and he, how he was making as much as he was. But up until last year, a team has never made or, or have never won a Super Bowl with a quarterback making over like, I think it was like 16 or 17% of the cap. So in my opinion, I'm like, all right, I'm a numbers guy. 
let's allocate the cap to where it increases my odds of winning a championship and mm-hmm. offensive line, defensive line. I even put the defensive line above the offensive line. It's how you know it hurts my soul to say this. <laughs> I give them their own locker room. Like no one talks to my D lineman. They do their own <laughs> thing. And the Giants actually, you know, Dexter Lawrence was watching him last year in the playoffs. That's cool. how you win in the playoffs, dominating interior defensive line play like that. So it, it's good to see that some teams are starting to kind of build around that philosophy. And you, if you're a uh, if you're a guard, when you see that kind of fresh change of linemen come in, there's got to be kind of like an extra deep breath you take, right? Because they're yes, they're not the starters, but like you said, when the teams really invest money in them, like the Niners and the Eagles, these guys these are guys who usually could end up starting for another team, yeah. right? Like you said, like in Dominican Sue last year, yes, he was getting older and a veteran, but he could have been a starting defensive tackle on other teams that weren't as deep. Instead, he's coming off the bench for the fresh. Eagles. And he's right? fresh. And I'm like, this isn't fair. I just did a 10-play drive, and now we're in the red zone. I got to go against a fresh D-tackle. I remember the Eagles used to have this guy, Bo Allen. He was like a smaller, not the biggest guy, but he was like the strongest defensive tackle. And he had one move. You knew he was going to throw this hump move, and all, that's all he had. <laughs> and you would sit on that hump move, and he still would get you with the club and still get you because he would come in and give you the hardest three plays he could, and then he would go right back out. And Fletcher Cox is back on the field. So it's like guys <laughs> like that, that it's just like, and they're getting paid. D Lyman haven't made. Like they have the easiest careers because give me four plays hard and then come off for four. Like no offensive lineman can, has ever done that. Right. And you're essentially just being paid to attack. Right. So, I mean, yeah, you do have to be able to see the play and make some certain decisions, but largely your ability to win a physical battle and attack somebody is your job. Right. And you get so. one sack a game that's 16 sacks over the year, you're going to be a Hall of Famer. So win one out of 70 plays and you're a Hall of Famer. Right. Absolutely. It's not a bad deal. (laughs) All right. So you got Aaron Donald, you got the Eagles and the Niners as groups. Anybody else kind of stand out, whether it's power or speed? Yeah, there's definitely a few guys around the league. Um, You know, look at Fletcher Cox, the longevity that he's had. Dexter Lawrence, like I mentioned, just an absolute animal. Mm -hmm. Um, Quentin Williams in the Jets, he's kind of starting to pick it back up. Another guy that I think – has all the tools and still trying to put it all together is Derek Brown, the young defensive tackle. I'm glad you said him because I was actually going to ask you about him. Cause I saw him in person for the first time last year. Remember the giants liked him coming out in the draft, but they already, they already had some tackles. They had to go elsewhere. He is a load man. Like he, he, he wrecks. He, he's one of the best young players. He's just still figuring out a few things, but when you put your hands on him, it, you, he's still going to push anybody back. And then, just a, just a heck of a player. So that that's one of the guys that, you know, was always, always very good. You know, look at the Redskins. I mean, NFC East, there's some problems on the defensive lines in there because you have Payne and you have Jonathan Allen in the Redskins that are um, – can't, can't say Redskins, sorry, the Commanders. It's all good. Who knows? I heard there's a petition to go back to the Redskins. So who knows where they're going to end yeah, up? Yeah, supposedly they've been using the, the old nickname in the building – and people, the theory is that it, by doing so, they're trying to let it float out, like almost like crowdsourcing, like, are people getting angry about this or can we go back to it, right? Well, you just so see I, it. It's, yeah. it's, it's infiltrated me, so I already did it. But uh, <laughs> the commanders, they got a great D-line. Um, you got, there's, some, there's some guys across the league. There's a reason why offensive linemen's pay is going up is because those guys are getting harder and harder to block. Yeah, and, well said. It's uh, a reason why teams are still calling me. <laughs> so uh, one thing that's a big topic right now, 
around the Giants just because of what's happened the last few days is Brian Dable's temper. And, you know, let's say once a practice in 11 on 11, let's say a call doesn't come in fast enough or there's a penalty or a receiver runs the wrong route, whatever, he's screaming like it's week 18 or like it's a wild card playoff game. Then it kind of culminated in their preseason game against the Lions. They gave up a punt return for a touchdown, and the cameras on TV actually caught him glaring at the special teams coach, along with like chewing out the offensive lineman, et cetera. So my question to you is, uh, you have had a bunch of different head coaches, unfortunately. <laughs> does screaming work? Like does – in the NFL with professionals, does screaming all the time work? You have to know your audience. Like Tom Coughlin, like he put the fear of God in you. Like I was like, if, if he comes over and yells at me, like I'm like, I'm nervous because of, of who he is and what he's accomplished. Hmm. And there's other guys where, you know, the screaming and yelling won't work. So it's knowing your audience and when to love them up and when to hit them with tough love. I came from Syracuse where I had Doug Marone, who's a very, uh, vocal vocal coach as well and he's now the the offensive line coach down in new orleans but um i had two very hard coaches to start my career hmm. and ben, ben mcadoo would go off on guys he would also love you up ben mcadoo really? has a lot of slack um in new york especially because of how the whole eli benching Geno Geno smith debacle if you look at it Geno smith actually is a pretty damn good quarterback he just got paid a lot of money to go be a starter no uh, doubt uh, justin not to go on a tangent what goes overlooked is I know that you guys lost that game or the Giants lost that game um, in Oakland, I think it was yeah. at the time. But Gino actually played pretty well in that game. It's just, like, look, Eli's NFL royalty, the Mannings are NFL royalty. I found that out here in, in Arizona. Larry Fitzgerald's NFL royalty. Mm-hmm. There's one thing if I'm doing if I'm an NFL coach is I'm not meth- messing with NFL royalty. But I really think that set – Coach McAdoo's career back. I mean, he's a, he's an awesome coach. I think he deserves another shot at a head job. But he just kind of you, you you play with the bull, you get the horns, and the horns just happen to be New York City, and 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 the folks in New York are, are avidly loyal to Eli, and as they should be. Two Super Bowls, Hall of Fame career. Yeah, I just think that whole season just got it just things snowballed and just got out of control, and everyone had to go at that point. Yeah, was um, but, but again, but he, but he got into guys. Interesting. He he would, but he also had some some good philosophies. Um, and then I had Cliff in Arizona, and Cliff is not a yeller. But you know, when your job's on the line and your livelihood, and that's what you do to provide for your family, you need to have a little spark. And and so it's good to see that from Coach Dayball. And I'm sure he loves his guys up behind closed doors, or you know, I've seen him having laughs with players. So I know there's a good balance there, which is what you need. Hmm. And. Kind of off of that, I'm asking you about head coaches. Earlier, you're talking about if you ran a team, you sound like you could, a guy who might be in the front office one day. But I know you as a player in the locker room and as a leader of a locker room. Like when I first came into the Giants 2016, 2017, you were one of the few guys in there who, if something difficult needed to be talked about, if someone needed to speak for the team when a lot of people didn't want to, it was often a guy like you. And so I, I sometimes ask a lot of different people various ways of this question, but just curious how you define leadership, whether it's in football or just in life, because I do see it in you. I saw it in in you in New York. And I'm just curious whether that's something that comes naturally to you or something that um, you kind of cultivated as you went. Yeah. The NFL is a very, very big cover your ass business. Mm-hmm. And coming in as a first round pick, I had a little bit of security, you know, I I knew I wasn't going to get cut that first season. And I just kind of saw, you know, I was 
a guy kind of came in on, at my knees one time during a kickoff return. I was on the wedge to start my rookie year in OTAs. He went too low on me, and I remember he got cut the next day. And I just remember, and I remember thinking, I was in I was in a very unique position to speak my mind on the team because I was getting respect before I even earned it, and then I went out there and earned it as well. And I think that kind of is what gave me the ability to speak my mind at times and feel like I could speak up for certain things. And, and guys like Eli Manning, Zach Diossi, I mean, Zach Diossi is probably my number one <laughs> favorite teammate of all time uh, when I was in New York. But so, and, and Eric Herman, no, I'm probably, I don't know if guys remember Eric Herman. We got drafted together. He's probably one of my best friends, but, wow. but Zach really showed me what life was like off the field and how to be a good man, good father, good husband. And that's something that, gave me the ability and the confidence to go out there and speak up. I felt like when times were tough and times were tough throughout my career, we started out 0-6 my rookie year and everyone's out there trying to cover their ass and it's not my fault. It's not here. It's not there. Well, I know I didn't play up the standard. I lit up sacks in this game. So I'd rather be put on me than anyone else. And, and until my play improved, you know, I wasn't able to, to go out there and, and, and say that. And if you can't own your mistakes and, face the media. I don't care if it's New York media or Arizona media, you have to, you have to face up to it. And uh, that's something I always took pride in because when things are down and things are tough, that's when true character shines through. And I'm always like, I'm never going to be the guy to run and hide and try to put the blame on somebody else. Cause so many times we all know coaches who've done it, players who've done it, try to yeah. deflect. And that's something that I'll just never stand for. It's not who I am as a person. And maybe, I, you know, looking back, maybe it's because I had a little bit of security, so I felt like I was able to speak up. But it's something that's translated, and I think that resonates with, with guys. I hope that's something that when I'm done playing, teammates will remember, like, hey, Pew was a, Pew was a good guy. He, he, he stood for what was right and what he believed in. Not, you know, sometimes I say stupid things because I just speak off the cuff sometimes, but it's just, just who I am. No, I, I thought, uh, I think it's genuine and I think people, you come off as genuine and whether it's real life or in a football locker room, I think people appreciate that. And, uh, you know, it was interesting from afar watching you defend Matt and Amendola, the kicker last year to the media. And, you know, someone who didn't know you might've thought like you were being nasty to reporters by saying, this is BS, you guys are staying out here. But I knew from knowing you that what you were doing was standing by a guy in his the toughest time. Right. And, and like, and that brings me back. Sorry to cut you off, but no, like, no, no. Yeah, like, go ahead. I saw Matt local Philly kid. So we hit it off that week when he got there, he's from Philadelphia. You know, we grew up doing the same thing, same lifestyle. And all that kid wanted to do was beat Philadelphia. When I was playing for the giants, all I wanted to do was beat the Eagles. Like that was my number one goal. If I beat the Eagles that summer, I knew when I would go down the Jersey shore, I wouldn't have to hear Eagles fight songs. I'd have a good comeback. And the Eagles kicked our ass when I was with the giants. I mean, they beat us yeah. the last few years. They always had our number, whatever. We would always beat Dallas. We'd always, you know, beat the Redskins, but Philly for whatever reason. And I remember like I came out one year and I said, I hate Philly. And when I was saying, I hate Philly, it was, I hate the Eagles. Like I hated the Eagles at that time because all they did was beat us. And there was a certain reporter, and I don't know if he's still with, like, working with the Giants, and he knows who he is, and you probably do as well. <laughs> the title came out, Justin Pugh Hates the City of Philadelphia. And, like, I couldn't even go back to my hometown. So mm. later that year, I ended up having a terrible game against the Eagles, like the lowest point in my career, let up four sacks in a game. We lose 30-something nothing. Victor Cruz blows his patella tendons out. It was just a terrible game. And I took that whole game on my shoulders. Like that was my, that was me versus Philadelphia. And I just got absolutely destroyed. 
And it, that was like a turning point in my career, whether I was going to make it or not, because my confidence was shot. My ego was shot. I didn't know if I could play in the NFL. And I fought back from that. And like, that's a defining moment in my career that I'll never forget. Like at the lowest point, like what I did and who I became and all those different. So I saw myself in Matt Amendola. And no one knows the backstory of why I felt the way I felt about like that situation. Like no one wanted to beat the Eagles more last year than me. Like we're in, we're in, it was a field goal to go to overtime. We had them on the ropes. The Eagles thought they were going to come into, you know, Philly and or come into Arizona and just it'd be a cakewalk. And it was yeah, a you guys day. had them. Yeah. And so that's why I stood up for him. And, you know, I, I love Philadelphia. I love where I'm from. I love who it became, but like, I want to beat them because I'm so competitive. I want to be able to go home and talk smack to, to, you know, my gym teachers and the kids I grew up with. But um, that's why I felt so passionate about defending him last year. So yeah, you're right. I, I love reporters. I've had such a great relationship with guys throughout the year, but that's just the one team that I always wanted to like give my best against and beat. And, uh, you know, I felt that whole – I felt like he was me in that moment. And I, I wish someone would have defended me at that time in my career eight or nine years ago. No doubt. And the guy – the reporter you're talking about is, is a good guy as well. Um, but, yeah, no, I remember, I remember that well. And, listen, as a reporter in New York, New Jersey, from Philadelphia, I can't tell you what you know. But once it got out on, like, a TV show in, like, 2000 – 14 or something when I was covering the Rangers in the NHL once some guy blurted out that I was from Philly when I like picked the Eagles against the spread on a television show I mean you should have seen my Twitter mentions you know it's never stopped since then everybody you know if the Giants lose a game and I wrote that they lost the game I'm an Eagles fan who hates the Giants and that's why I wrote it so I can't get away from it um and that's, I that's the beauty of it though that's what makes the rivalry so amazing because of how passionate the fans are about it and i you, you got to love both sides of it. i grew up on the philadelphia side being the biggest eagle supporter you ever could imagine and then the giants allowed me to fulfill my childhood dream and change my life yeah so i have such great memories with both it's uh it's it's tough but when you when you play for a team you always want to beat the opponent i don't care who it is i don't care if my like you know Look at the Super Bowl last year. You had the Kelsey brothers. Like, how was their mom dealing with it? It's both her sons. It's just, it's the business we're in. It's the beauty of it. And if the Eagles and Giants didn't hate each other so much and we had to deal with the ramifications, NFL wouldn't be as great as it is. Yeah, no, well said. And um, along the lines of, we're talking leadership, we're talking standing up. You know, of course, I have to ask you, as you played with the Cardinals, you played in Arizona, the quarterback there, Kyler Murray, has come under a lot of heat, a lot of fire. We know he's talented, but then there was the whole contract with the homework clause that had to be taken out of it. He's, of course, recovering right now, but he's been under the microscope. He's taken a lot of heat. Um, I'm across the country from all of this, but have seen it from afar and also done some reporting on it. But as a guy who's been in that locker room with it, with him, played with him, you know, what do you make of kind of the criticism uh, Kyler has taken, especially like in the last year or so, because he certainly doesn't seem to be getting the benefit of the doubt publicly like he was when he came in and kind of started taking the league by storm a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I think if you just look at just, if we just quickly touch on track record with Kyler, like he's been to the pro bowls, he made watching the Arizona Cardinals exciting again. Like when I came to the Cardinals, we were historically maybe the worst offense in NFL history. We had just mm. drafted Josh Rosen, and, and I like Josh. I'm not no offense to Josh, but clearly what Kyler brought to the table was dynamic. And Cliff coming in, we start out eight and zero. We're like the we're the best team in the NFL at the time, and all of a sudden, you know, things start to to go downhill. 
And Kyler is going to be the first one to catch all the slack. He's the reason why we got to where we're at. And it's the same bullets are going to come at you when it goes down. That's just the, the, the job of the quarterback. Look at Daniel Jones in New York. Every time I go on Twitter, he's getting bashed by somebody. You can't do this. You can't do that. If they win, Daniel Jones will be the reason. If they lose, he will also be the reason. And yeah. it's the nature of the beast. And I tell Kyler's all the time. It's part of the reason why you get paid what you get paid. I still feel for you. I know you as a human being. Kyler doesn't do anything off the field. Yeah, he likes to play video games. But he's also, like, texting all the guys about, you know, just, just funny things off the field that keeps everyone integrated. Um, he comes to all the O-line dinners that we do every week. He's a part of the team. Um, so a lot of those things go without notice. You don't have a camera on him when he's around the team. Yeah. Um, he's not out. I mean, I don't know if you just saw the Johnny Manziel documentary. It just came out. I but did. he's not out doing things like that and, and not showing up to practice and not being prepared. He had a terrible injury this year, ACL, which I know a, a lot about dealing with the same injury. So it, it's it's a big turning point for him. He has a lot to prove. Um, and, and this year will be a pivotal year for, for Kyler and the Cardinals because if he can come back and be healthy and be who he is, I think the, Car the Cardinals have a chance to really do some good things. Very cool. All right, let's get to the big picture here. We're going into the 2023 season coming off a dynamic, obviously, Chiefs-Eagles Super Bowl. And yeah, you know, we know that the, there's standard, typical names of teams that are going to be in the mix, right? Both of those teams, the Niners, you got to say the Bengals, you know, et cetera. But I want to know from you, are, do you see any dark horse Super Bowl contenders out there? Teams who maybe they weren't in the playoffs last year, but you think they can challenge uh, maybe they were there on the on the doorstep and they're going to take the next step. You know, what teams, as you're evaluating as a free agent, what teams do you think could challenge for that Lombardi trophy this year that maybe aren't on the tip of everybody's tongue? Yeah, I mean, you throw those top few teams out there, you know, like out of the NFC, you look at the NFC East and you have some those three teams, the top of the NFC East, no offense to the commanders, but you have Dallas, who's got all the talent in the world. For whatever reason, throughout my career, they've never been able to, to, to kind of put that all together, but they're, they're super, super talented. Every time you go to play Dallas, you know if you don't bring your A game, you can get embarrassed. Yep. Giants obviously going to the playoffs last year, bringing almost everybody back and adding to it. They're, they're contenders. I'm glad they got the whole Saquon Barkley situation figured out because if you look at the running back market, I understand why some people go that way of not paying the running backs, but Saquon's the heart and soul of that team and just meeting them you see what he means to that locker room. So the Giants clearly have a shot. You have the Eagles, who are probably the most talented team in the NFL at the moment. Um, then you go to the NFC West. The 49ers, I think, are one of the best coach teams in the NFL. They, they always bring it. Um, so I think in the NFC, those are somewhat of your teams. NFC South, I don't really see anyone making a move there. The NFC North with Aaron Rodgers' departure, you don't have a clear cut. Detroit, I think, could be one of those sleeper teams. Mm -hmm. They uh, they got a really good offensive line, up and coming, hungry coach. Jared Goff has proven he can do it. So I think the, the Lions are a team to look out for. The AFC East, you can literally throw a dart on a dartboard and not know who's going to make it out of the, 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 <laughs> AFC, the AFC, I should say. For sure. The Chiefs are clearly the favorite. You look at the Bengals and Bills, the next tier down, it's like, They've gotten there. They haven't gotten over the hump, so who could do it? You look at the AFC East. You have the Jets, who everyone's going to project to be the favorites because um, of Aaron Rodgers. I think Miami ends up being a sleeper team in the AFC East. I think Mc, um, McDaniels down there, the head coach, yeah. coming from Shanahan, 
he has one of the best offensive schemes in the NFL. I, I think they do, do a lot of great things. A lot hinges on Tua, his health. I think the Dolphins could be there. You have the Patriots um, who are always in contention. Yeah. Um, and then you have the Chargers out west. I think the Chargers out west, a lot of teams don't maybe have that respect for, like the Bills, Bengals, Chiefs, but they have a they have some serious talent and they could definitely make some noise. So those are kind of my teams that I'm I'm, I'm looking at. Not that all those teams that I've talked to, but those are teams I think, regardless if I talk to or not, could definitely make some noise. No, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I I have to make my picks this week, and the Bengals are the team that I want to pick. But after Burrow's little injury tweak, I mean, he could end up being totally fine. They've also lost their two starting safeties last year. I really love how they're put together. I like their defense, and if Burrow's healthy, I feel like it's one of those. I think in my head, okay, will Joe Burrow not win a Super Bowl in his le- in his first? I don't know four or five years. Yeah. And, and to me, I say, yes, he will. Is this the year? Yes, it is. Um, as it they were crazy. saying that about, they were saying that about Josh Allen and the, and the bills. You're like, there's no way they're not going to win a super bowl with that, the talented team and Josh Allen. And when you have so many juggernauts, they just beat up on each other. The yeah. NFC seems like the, you, you could probably name three or four teams that really have a chance to make it out of the NFC. And you know, that's that's kind of a little less path of resistance to get there. Like you're not going to get beat up as much throughout the regular season and then through the playoffs. It might be a little bit of an easier road. Yeah. I apologize to you and our listeners. It sounds like somebody's using a jackhammer outside my house. I don't really know what's going on here. But um, last last team I wanted to ask you about and then we'll get you out of here. But um the Seattle Seahawks. I went to Seattle with the Giants last year. Seattle got the best of them. They had a great draft class last year. And you mentioned Gino has really stepped it up and is playing really well. Do you think that they could contend or are they still like a young team that maybe is a year away from that? Yeah, I still think they're a little bit further away. They'll probably finish second, I would say, in the NFC West. Uh, I think San Fran wins it. It's a tough place to play. When you have that home field advantage, it makes all the difference. That's the one thing that um, Arizona is still figuring out because the team's still so new, and I never realized this. When I came out here to Arizona, we would play the Eagles, the Giants, the Steelers, the Bears, and there's almost 50-50 split between Bears fans and Cardinals fans. And the home field advantage, and now we weren't winning games, but even when we were 8-0, they were still packing out. The Steelers fans were still packing out. Seattle has this home field advantage that gets them one or two wins a year. that They probably have no business having because it's such a great atmosphere and it's impossible to communicate there. So I think, yes, Seattle could make some significant improvements. I think their defense still has a little ways to go, but, um, and, and they've moved on finally, you know, Russell's out and last year was like a great step in the right direction. But I just, I think they're missing a few too many pieces to kind of push for uh, like a, a serious playoff run. Gotcha. Well, no, Justin, we, we love that you had the time to come on the talking ball podcast. I understand. I believe it's your birthday tomorrow, right? Happy birthday. Yeah. 33, 33 and, and feeling better than ever, man. 33. That's young. I remember the days. Uh, also congratulations. I meant to say right at the top, congratulations, baby on the way. I understand. Correct. The goal this year is to be holding my – I'm having a baby girl. 
is to be holding her at a Super Bowl with the headphones on like you've seen in those pictures. So yeah, if, someone, if you can make the right pick and tell me who's going to win the Super Bowl this year, that would be super helpful. Or just either <laughs> team. I'll even get it and, and lose it. Just getting there would be unbelievable. So just let me know what your crystal ball says tomorrow. Well, that'll be, that'll be amazing to see that come full circle, to see that photo in February. I hope that happens for you. Remember, everybody, we are sponsored here by Bet Online and by Estate 98 Coffee, ultra-concentrated coffee from El Salvador. You can make it in three seconds. Uh, go to Estate 98 Coffee on Instagram and order yours today. Justin Pugh, ladies and gentlemen, we will look for you to, A, join a contender, and B, be on the field in February at the Super Bowl. Can't wait to see it. And uh, congrats on all your success off the field and hopefully some more success coming on it. Uh, thank you, man. I appreciate you having me. It's been uh, it's been good to catch up. You got it. Take care. See ya. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.